0: Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host, Charlie Karen, a composer in Minneapolis, and I started this show because I wanted to share insights from other composers and songwriters about how they make music. You can hear all the episodes and learn more about these artists at composerquest.com. Also, remember, there's less than one week to turn in your submission for the first ever Composer Quest quest. Four episodes ago, I proposed this challenge to arrange pop songs for bassoon, clarinet, and oboe, and the Twin Cities Trio will perform them live, and I'll feature the best ones on the podcast. So if you're interested, go check out that episode and email twin.cities.trio your arrangement by April 1st. On this episode of Composer Quest, I talk with the Emmy-winning composer and songwriter Chan Poling. Chan is most well known for his new wave band, The Suburbs, but more recently he's been playing in a jazz trio called The New Standards. He and John Munson, of Semisonic fame, and Steve Rome have been reinterpreting their favorite pop songs in a jazz style, and I really like their arrangements. So it was a pleasure talking to Chan about The New Standards, and also about his own songwriting and film scoring process. So on to my talk with Chan Poling.
1: I got asked the other day to write a piece for orchestra. I mean, I've written orchestral things with samples and with cobbled together overdubbed strings and and woodwinds and, and just kind of put together for just pretty kind of pop versions of orchestral music. Um, but to actually write for a 60 piece working orchestra for a performance, it's just stunning to me. I just, I'm so excited. And, uh, it was daunting. I thought, "Well, what, what am I going to do?" Like, and then I realized I didn't write any music since I was 14 years old. So, I'm just going to
0: have fun. Awesome. Yeah. What is that piece going to be for?
1: There's an orchestra, the Minnesota Philharmonic Orchestra. It's a local community kind of orchestra. And um, have you heard of it?
0: I haven't. No, that's yeah. cool.
1: That's cool. And um, I saw a concert there at Hamlin in the music hall there, and it was beautiful. They did they did Tchaikovsky, and they did, Muskorsky and they did Ravel. And uh, no, it was Ravel's orchestration of the Miskorsky pictures of the ex- exhibition. Oh, and did, awesome! So they they were great. And um, and then the the director afterwards spoke to me and said he hoped I'd write something for the next season and I just was blown away I, I don't really know what to do yet but um I think it's a year off so um we'll see it'll be fun you know at the most it'll be a, a symphony or <laughs> <Sure>. will <laughs> be there'll be a tone poem or it'll be a, a setting of you know some of my theater music or something To see how how ambitious I can get.
0: Sure. Where do you think you'll start with something like that?
1: Well, I was thinking that, uh, well, where would I start? I I had a little inspiration that it would be inspired by cities. And that was my big thought this morning. I was taking a cab uh, from New York to LaGuardia, and you cross over the bridge, you look out over the river, and you see the, Classic skyline, and I started thinking of you know Gershwin. I started thinking of actually this is John Adams' section of the Nixon China opera called um, the uh, Chairman Dances. You know that?
0: Um, I've heard sections of that opera, but never the whole thing.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's Chairman Dances by John Adams, just always reminded me of New York City in an evocative way, you know? So I thought, well, maybe I'll write a piece like that that's just a, a little tone poem about a place. And I thought, well, I don't live in New York City. I like New York City. I love it. And nice to travel there, but maybe I should do a piece called St. Paul and kind of informed by... The history and, and be romantic, but it would also speak to some experiences I've had recently. Trying to, I've lived here, and, and then I thought about John Adams, and I thought about Aaron Copeland, and I thought about <laughs> what it would sound like. Some of my influences, and, and then I, then I remembered that Sujavon Stevens did a series of records based on cities. Didn't he? or state.
0: Yeah. Well, he's done Illinois and Michigan yeah yeah those are awesome albums
1: those are great yeah and so I anyway those are my thoughts so far and whether anything will come of it I don't know
0: sure yeah with something like that if you're doing an instrumental piece do you start with a melody and then flesh it out
1: yeah usually I usually start with the piano or which is my instrument and i sit down and start improvising and playing. And whether I'm working on ideas that popped into my head earlier or whether I'm just improvising and letting it flow out, it just changes day by day. I use the iPhone a lot in recording notes. So as a matter of fact, I just made a note last night for a new song at 2.30 a.m. laying in bed in in the hotel room at new York, in New York. Awesome. And, yeah, I woke up, I looked at, at, at the clock and I was 2.30 and I'm like, I got to go back to sleep. And I started, the song started running through my head, which I will not repeat here because it's the lyrics to it are quite, it's um, not family friendly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. maybe, I would, yeah, because I was sleeping, so it, it's going through my head and quite a kind of scattered funny way. Anyway. Can you
0: was, give us there, a gist of what the th- song there was is about? Some, something about sex that was a full
1: blown rhythmic idea with lyrics and everything. And and so I just picked up my phone and sang it and laying on my back in bed in the middle of the night and then I anyway, that's an extreme example that I once in a while I do as well pop into my head when I'm sleeping, you know. So I'll use some sort of recording device, and then I'll come back and revisit them. And then I'll shoot at the piano or the computer and just find the key and find what that really meant, you know, because a lot of times it's, well, maybe not. <laughs> you kind of go, oh my gosh, is that, in, is that, and then you have to start arranging chords around it until you it starts to resemble what you heard in your mind. and They're usually pretty good if you can get them down from the dream state. They're usually pretty darn good. Or they're horribly derivative. Uh, I once recorded a dream song, and actually it got on a television show. Nobody noticed but me. About a year later, I went, oh my gosh, that's, Shiny Happy People by R.E.M. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> huh. I just kind of appropriated the melody of an R.E.M. song and put it into my... So that can be kind of stupid when that happens. you got to be careful you're not just doing that. I mean, everything is recycled. There's, you know, there's only so many combinations yeah. of notes, but uh, it wasn't. Plagiarism it wasn't a point where I'd be sued or anything, but in my mind, I knew what what was the influence was. It was pretty obvious
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. What would you say makes a good song to you? one that sticks in your head like the r e m one
1: I don't know i the funniest story I heard with a friend of mine who won't mention any names, but it was a written some songs that were. You know, it's sold millions of copies. And I said, How do you do that? I asked him the same question. I said, How do you write a hit song? And he said, um, A hit song is a song that people like. I Ah, oh, <laughs> <Zen. laughs> Thank you. Zen riddle. But it's true, you can't really set out to write something good or something that people are going to like, it just is that, you know, after the fact, I think. I personally, I think each songwriter has fingerprints as unique as their own fingerprints. And my personal tastes aren't, you know, your personal tastes, but um, I like things that are relatively simple, easy to understand. But then again, if there's a surprising element to it, I really appreciate that too. I just I don't care for ornate cleverness for the sake of cleverness or trying to obscure an idea in, you know, an intellectual game of cards. I don't really care about that. That's what kinda of draws me to rock music and pop music and punk rock and those kind of things because they're emotional and they're simple and they're repetitive and they're They're moving kind of physically. When I first went to CalArts to study composition in the 70s, there was two distinct camps. And that was really reflective of the whole world at that time. There was uh, serialist, and the people. And that's like one of my board of review composers was a good friend of Arnold Schoenberg, and a, hmm. a, a German guy who uh, absolutely hated the music I was doing, which was kind of pretty stuff. And so there were the serialists, and there were the and there was a kind of interesting Morton Subotnick taught uh, electronic music at CalArts when I was going there, which is really oh, pretty
0: awesome. cool. Oh, awesome.
1: Yeah. That was so new, though, that it was really kind of a fringe thing. But the other big camp was really represented by my mentor, who was Harold Budd. And you know Harold Budd? He worked with Brian Eno, made some albums with Brian Eno. Oh,
0: okay. Nice.
1: And he a super cool. Very beautiful, minimalist music. And, you know, Terry Riley was first coming out then. And, and, but So, dig this. So, Philip Glass was a, he's probably a little older than me, but he, he would come to school and play with his group, which was like four or five keyboards. And they'd be going... And it was just like a rock concert. It was really cool.
0: Do you ever listen to Muse? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I, I just feel like that's Philip Glass reincarnated as a rock band sometimes.
1: It's true. Those guys. Yeah, it, it's true. Yeah, no, they're live. They're awesome. I mean, I've always seen them on YouTube, but they're just, I yeah. love that kind of bombastic grandeur. Yeah.
0: I saw them out in San Francisco, and that was one of the coolest live shows ever. They had. These giant balloons they're like floating eyes and they like bounced them off into the audience just ridiculous but anyways (laughs) well i have to say the first time i saw the new standards was one of the coolest concerts ever i think uh i don't remember what year it was but it was has to be like six years ago maybe and you guys were doing a a free show with low in Orchestra Hall. Oh,
1: yeah, right.
0: Was that kind of at the beginning of, of your band?
1: It really was. But that was an interesting opportunity. It's interesting to talk about for people starting out is that, you know, our first shows were for, for you know, Bryant Lake Bowl for 100 people. And then we got the opportunity to. Play at Orchestra Hall, and it wasn't because of us, it was because of Orchestra Halls. It was, you know, their festival, and people just show up and they see all sorts of bands, including Lowe and us. And I think that place holds 2,000. And so to get yourself in an opportunity like that is, I think, vital because ever since then, our audience grew because we had that kind of exposure.
0: Well, what have you learned playing with your band members and the new standards?
1: Well, that's a good question, because I learned so much. When you write music for yourself, you know, like I did with the suburbs and in my own band, I've always just done music that I wrote. And I, you know, I knew a few songs. I have like, you know, when I was a kid, I could play Beatles, the Beatles. But um, I really didn't dig too deeply into other people's fun. I was too busy writing my own. But with the new standards, it's all just a learning fest just every single week. We re- we play Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. until a little afternoon, religiously, for the last seven, eight years. And that's a lot of rehearsing just to get chops, but it's also digging into other people's songs and that's what new standards is all about is discovering and celebrating songs great songs that we love and so i've just learned a ton my first of all the skills of the piano player and understanding songwriting in general has just extrapolated because i've played so many songs by bowie and gershwin and kurt vile and um Rolling Stones and Arcade Fire, and I like, highly recommend digging into other people's music and figuring stuff out, because I just, I just learned more about theory of just about, you know, diminished chords and all sorts of different things that, to see how it all fits together in, you know, 50 other different songs.
0: How do you go about interpreting other people's songs? What have you learned? Works?
1: It's uh, it's a challenge because if you love a song, it, it, you just kind of want to play it, right? And then you don't want to just like start tearing it apart and just obscuring it just for the sake of being cool. You know, you can't. It has to come organically out of expressing the song, the feeling of the song.
0: Well, on your new album, Sunday Morning Coming Down. What songs are your favorites on that one that you think were good renditions?
1: Huh. Well, I do like taking Robin, you know, that dance, the Swedish dance pop kind of song, and turning it into just more of a piano rave up. But you just met somebody else. Instead of the synthesized dance breaks with the sequencing. We turned them into really fast, Philip Glassy, minimalist, chimey things. Steve came up with a great figure that was nothing like the synth breaks in the song. One of my personal favorites to sing is a Lucinda Williams song, Essence. And I don't know how that turned into oh. a Bossa Nova song, but it's, it's kind of sexy Has a Bossa Nova tune. Baby, sweet baby
2: Kiss me hard Make me wonder Who's in charge
0: Fire fan. I like your No Cars Go. That
1: was really fun to do. I want to do more. I mean, to do some more of that kind of stuff where it's like, because they're a pop band, but they're also, you could easily orchestrate that into, it sounds a little bit more like modern classical music. And that's my favorite kind of intersection.
0: film scoring, too?
1: Yeah, I have. I've done mainly, uh, you know, stuff for TV documentaries and things like that, I, and some small indie films. I did the score for my father-in-law documentary, his biography, the Fritz Mondale story, and um, that was really emotional for me. You know, there's no budget, so I did it in my living room on grand piano, and I had my friend Randall Davis and with cello over, and I augmented it with some synthesizers. The piece for Paul Wellstone's death mm. you was know, one, one of my favorite pieces. You know, it really gets you going. <laughs> yeah, you know, of course. I wish I could do it all over again.
0: Well, what what about it? Would you want to do over again?
1: Oh, I think the beginning. I kinda of started at the beginning and then got better <laughs> at the end. No. And I just went I just went very literally like that. I didn't you know, a lot of times you kinda of jump around but I just started working at the top and finished. But anyway. And then I would use less synthesizers and I would just make it more organic.
0: Sure.
1: I did a documentary with Garrison Keeler narrating so his voice and my music the more I got down to the folkish just grand piano and strings, the better it sounded, you know, because his voice is so
0: you know, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's ever talked over anything synthesized. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still currently teaching songwriting?
1: Yeah, we offer a songwriting class at McPhail every year for a couple semesters. Chris Osgood and I were on the faculty there. We've been there for almost 20 years now. Wow. Yeah, I know it was probably 16, 17 years now.
0: What's your first day of songwriting class like?
1: Well, we usually try to waste as much time as we possibly can talking about bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, now uh we introduce each other and we tell stories about, you, you know, we kind of break the ice. People like to hear stories about meeting Bert Backrack in the bathroom or, you know, partying with Iggy Pop or something like that. And then we, we just try to figure out who these people are that are in our class. And that's really vital to me that we don't just talk at people, that we interact with everybody. And I want to know all of them. I want to know what songs they like and what their process is and what they want to know. And then we t- we lay out our syllabus, which is, it's pretty simple. We start with lyrics and then we talk about structure. We talk about you know linear structure. We talk about more vertical structure like arrangements and, and how arrangements can really make a song. If you want to write a hip-hop song, you you don't want to have a banjo. Well, you could have a banjo. (laughs) The rules you can break, but, you know, country-western music sounds the way it does, and hip-hop music sounds the way it does because of certain elements that make them up. You know, you can't, don't bring me a Broadway baby song and say you want it to be for Kanye West, you know. So we talk about arrangement. Uh, how it affects style and how style is everything.
0: How do you think your own style has changed over the years?
1: Well, I'm making the New Suburbs record right now and I dare say people will say it hasn't changed at all. (laughs) But I really am a much more eclectic kind of writer now.
0: Well, within all your eclectic styles do you have a favorite piece of music you've written of all time
1: um love is a lot bubbles up to me and i still enjoy playing it we just played it uh, a couple nights ago in new york and in our new standards style people were crying so in a good way
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Said to myself Yeah, what's going on? People breaking the law Just to make ends meet People breaking their hearts Just to stay off the street And they're written on the wall For everyone to see What love is the law Right there on the street It said Love is the 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 love is love is love is the love is the love is the love is love is
0: the love Do you have any advice for people on writing lyrics?
1: I think that's the hardest thing. And a lot of people think they have something to say because they write in their journal. The only thing I would say is a song is different than just reading from your journal, you know. And um, I just notice a lot of young songwriters start out going, you said you were going to call me, but then you left me alone. And then, but what did I do wrong? I, did I, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you yeah, know, the guy broke up with you but is that a song? Yeah. <laughs> is it a song or are you just whining, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I would just say a song is more of an art form than just spilling your guts, I guess. Yeah. But, what do I know? I don't know. You know, I I wrote a song about liking cows and people just <laughs> want to hear that every time we go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like cows, and they like me. I like cows, just wait and see. But they go, move. Hey, move over. Uh, uh, uh.
0: Well, thanks so much for taking the time to come on a Composer Quest here, Chan.
1: Thanks so much, I appreciate you asking me.
0: Thanks for joining me on this episode of Composer Quest with Chan Poling. Chan's been working on a number of projects lately, one of which is a musical called A Night in Olympus, and he's working with the talented playwrights Jeffrey Hatcher and Bill Corbett, who was in Mystery Science Theater 3000, so keep your eye out for that performance coming up in the fall. I'll have links to all the music you heard in this episode at ComposerQuest.com. To hear more of the New Standards releases, you can go to thenewstandards.bandcamp.com. I'll leave you with a sample of their title track from Sunday Morning Coming Down, which was originally written by Chris Christofferson.
2: Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no place to hang my head that didn't hurt. Yeah, and the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so it one more for dessert. As I fumbled through my closet and through my clothes put on my cleanest dirty shirt well, I combed my hair and washed my face and stumbled down the stairs to meet the day Well I'd smoked my brain out the night before with cigarettes and songs that I'd been picking. Down the street I watched a small kid cussing at a that he was kicking. And I turned the corner and caught the smell of someone frying chicken. It brought me back to something that I'd lost somewhere, somehow, along the way. On a Sunday morning sidewalk, wishing, Lord, that I was stoned. Cause there's something about a Sunday That makes a body feel alone Yeah, there's nothing short of dying Half as lonesome as the sound Of a sleeping city sidewalk And Sunday morning coming down